Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Happy New Year. I'm going to start by reading to us from Jonah chapter 1, uh, from the Old Testament, from the Message Bible. God's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship, paid the fare and went on board, going to Tarshish as far as he could get away. But God sent a huge storm at sea, the waves towering. The ship was about to break into pieces. The sailors were terrified, called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, what's this, sleeping? Get up, pray to your God. Maybe your God will see we're in trouble and rescue us. The other sailors said to one another, let's draw straws to identify who's responsible for this disaster. So they drew straws and Jonah got the short straw. They grilled him. Confess, why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? He told them, I am a Hebrew and I worship God, Yahweh, the God of heaven who made sea and land. At that, the men were terrified and said, what have you done? The sailors realised he was running away from God and said to him, what are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? Jonah said, throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me, you'll get rid of the storm. The men tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. Then they prayed to God, Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life and don't blame us for his death. You're God, you do what you think is best. And they took Jonah, threw him overboard and immediately the sea was quietened down. Sailors were no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. And they worshipped him, offered a sacrifice and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and nights. One reason Ivy people wait with prayerful expectation for the start of January is because in his great faithfulness every year for the last well over a decade he's given me a word for the year. And you might wonder why we start out with Jonah being told to go to Nineveh and preach a word against it and then he runs away from the word God wants to give him. Jonah, whose name means dove, really doesn't want to go there thank you so he flies off in exactly the opposite direction. Why? What made Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? Was it because he didn't want to be the bearer of bad news? See, if, if you heard God tell you to go and stand in the centre of some foreign city and preach against it like he said he wanted Jonah to do in Nineveh, you know, maybe you, you put a sign around your neck saying, repent for the end is nigh. Well, there are people who like to preach that kind of message, but it's really not us, is it? Because the word evangelist means good news sharer, not doom monger. And then, however, when we read on the rest of the story, we find out that wasn't the reason that Jonah ran from God. Actually, he was more than happy to deliver the content. So was it that he didn't want to go to a bad place? Nineveh was in what is now northern Iraq and was the most impressive city in the world at the time, the jewel of the Assyrian Empire. Also, one of the most vicious, brutal regimes in history, whose citizens loved to conquer and humiliate, even torture people from other nations. 
But it wasn't that that was what made Jonah run away. You read the rest of the story, and if you join one of our grow groups, we're doing a series all about Jonah, and we're going to see that actually he didn't mind giving that confrontational judgment message. He gave it both barrels when eventually he got there. 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. So it wasn't that it was a bad message or a bad place or even bad people. Did he go the other way because it was a bad journey? Well, Jonah's the son of Amittai, whose name means truth. So Jonah's been raised to know we know the truth. We Jews know the truth about God and all the other nations are deluded, worshipping idols and false gods. And, and Jonah is a, a, he's a dove, he's a home bird. He likes to stay home where the law, the temple is. He's a prophet. He loves to hear God preach to the choir in Jerusalem. In, in 2 Kings we read that he prophesied to the king of Israel who listened to him and did what he said. So he's on a pretty good number, but then God comes along and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he says, well, he says nothing. He, he, he just goes the other way. See, we might look at a map and think Jonah didn't fancy the long journey 600 miles east to Nineveh. But actually what he does is he goes at least 2,500 miles away, as far west as you could possibly go. Tarshish, some people think it was Spain, some people even think it was Britain. See, we don't know where Jonah was headed for sure, neither does he. All we know is he's trying to do his own thing. He's trying to outrun the call of God. He knows he can't escape geographically from the God of all the universe. This isn't about distance, it's about direction. He's running from his destiny. He's trying to make it up himself rather than submit to what he's heard God say. So this year, as we look ahead, the world wants to tell you, you are the center of everything. You self-select your own call. You can identify the version of the good life according to you, your own wisdom and preference and self-interest. And even though everybody's opinion is different about what it involves, and they're all equally valid, of course, you can independently make your own way. However, God's voice comes into that and says, no, I created the heavens and the earth. I am sovereign. I have a plan for your life and I want you to follow it. Somebody I read recently said being a follower of Christ could be like being that circus performer trying to stand on two horses at the same time and sometimes you realise, I'm going to have to choose. I'm going to have to pick a horse. Now, if you were to attend a modern Jewish synagogue 1700 years on from this on Yom Kippur, when they confess their sins they say this, I am Jonah. Because we might think that sin is what, is what Jonah thought all the Ninevites were up to. But according to God, no, sin is when we decide, I'm going to captain my own ship. I'm going to pick and choose and go the way I want to go. That's every bit as much idolatry as what was going on in Nineveh, because you made yourself God. There's a long line at the ticket counter for Tarshish. I am Jonah. How about you? Then, God loves Jonah enough to send a storm to give him a chance to, to wake up, to own up, and to get turned around. See, you and me might look at a storm in our life and think it's the worst thing that could ever happen, but who knows where Jonah would have ended up if he'd carried on sleeping all the way, just going the wrong way, if God hadn't sent the storm. People running from God get lost very quickly and do increasingly foolish things. I mean, isn't it bad enough to start with that Jonah gets in a boat? Surely any of us watching that would say, oh, hang on, mate, bad move. When you're running from God, do not get in a boat. But Jonah's not listening. He's not listening to God. Why would he listen to you or me or common sense? Why does God allow storms in our lives? What if sometimes it's to avoid a shipwreck? What if sometimes it's to wake us up? The only thing that would turn around Jonah is a storm and then a lengthy period of isolation. 
Did any of that happen to you in 2020? What was God trying to teach us? So, why is Jonah set against the idea of God going, uh, of going for God into the place that he's called him? Not because it's a bad place, bad people, bad journey. No, the reason is it's because of what kind of God is sending him. See, we find out as we carry on that he actually knows what kind of God the Lord is. And that's going to be, that we find, the reason why he doesn't want to go to Nineveh and bring a word from the Lord. As we start 2021, every year at Ivy, I'm praying, I'm asking him for a word, something prophetic for the year ahead. Last year, it was all about focus. People were saying 2020, 20 vision, but it became the most blurry year ever. Our eyes ended up so full of tears as we were fearful over finances, grieving many losses, worrying about the future. And society divided over so many issues too. So many things we had no control over, but we always got to choose our focus. And I'm so grateful that we could always shift onto the Lord and what he's doing. And I'm glad you're making time to be part of this now and in 2021. However long you've been part of Ivy, so many have joined us for the first time this year from all over the world as we've had to switch towards being mostly digital church. And you can help us actually by sharing this video and liking it and telling other people and sending it on so that nothing stops God and we end up contributing and connecting in community with even more people than ever before. So I've been praying, what word do you want us to be defined by in 2021, Lord? What is it? When businesses and churches and charities are changing or closing, when violent crime is increasing, when the long-term economic implications of the pandemic have only added to the despair that people are feeling about the future, when death by overdose is up, when death by, due to alcohol is more than that, double that of drug abuse with over 50% of people over 50 now drinking alcohol at levels which is bad for them. When the suicide rate is up this year by nobody knows how much because they're not being able to do the inquests like they usually would be able to do. When people see no purpose in pain, no hope for the future, when rich or poor and old and young are just stuck in confusion and grief and disappointment, what's the word, Lord? And you know, it doesn't just come to me. I've got to spend that time in prayer to the one who 2 Corinthians calls the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I love this passage. It tells us who God is, what he does and why. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So this focuses us on, on who God is. Then if you're focused like that, if you remember who your dad is, you can hold on in the stormiest storm, in the darkest of nights, you can know his compassion. And that's been, gonna be an important year, this, word this year, but it's not the word for this year. It's very close, but it's not compassion. And, and, and another word that's in there, we might love it to be for this year is comfort. I bet loads of us would love a year of comfort, but that's not it either. In fact, listen, every time you ever needed comfort in your life, when it came, it came from God. He's the God of all comfort and he sent it. It might have come through a friend or a Bible verse or a bunch of flowers, but behind that, God sent it. All the comfort that ever came to you in 2020 came from him. He comforts us in all of our troubles. He's the one who sends the comfort. So when it comes, however it arrives, remember actually to read the card and say thank you to him because it came from God. He's going to find a way to get the comfort that you need. Custom shapes and fitted for you and the pain that you go through. That's what he does. Whatever storm you're in, he knows.
Your compassionate father comes with help in the hardships, hope in the heartbreak, and he always makes extra. It's big enough for you with some to share too. Notice, God gives us what we need so that, so what? So that we can comfort others. The whole world needs what you got in the storm. What you received in your pain could help somebody through theirs. Even that most terrible trial, when you lost the business, the job, the one you loved, the plan you had, the places you were headed, the position you were held. The point is not why the storm, but what did I learn in the storm? Jonah woke up and discovered something in the storm, something he'd been running away from. Who he really was, he found out, when he told them all, when he owned up and he said, I'm one of God's people and I'm running away from that. And telling that truth honestly to the rest of the ship is what brought revival to them. And it brought a new start for him. But that's for, for next week. <laughs> what a journey. One of the most common ways we journey through pain has been mapped out like this. You experience shock, first of all. How can this happen? How can it be? How come that happened in 2020? And God is compassionate for you. He doesn't want you to stay in shock and, and doesn't want you stuck in denial. So he comes and brings comfort to your emotional pain. And everybody's different, but maybe we next move into frustration or even anger. We say, that's not fair, as if life is fair. But we try and close ourselves off from other people. And again, people can get stuck there, but God cares, sends comfort. And then we start maybe bargaining with God. Well, God, if I do this, will you do that? And people do that whether or not they believe in God. Have you noticed how everybody's suddenly become much more aware and open to admit their own frailty and weakness these days? People are desperate to find a way, maybe a way back to way, the way it was before. But God wants to lead us forward. He's compassionate. He's close to the brokenhearted. So he meets us in next in our deep sadness or depression. As you retreat even further, pull more inward. It's, it's normal, it's natural, but it's awful. And then before that, before we can finish, we, we come to a place of acceptance. Not accepting that it's right, but that it is. That it is what it is. With that acceptance, there's a release of pain. Although there's still sadness. And the God of all compassion brings comfort to you and to me in each of these hurting places. I don't know how anybody gets through without that. When you thought he didn't care, every time his compassion and his comfort came to you. But then there's another step that none of the other books about grief talk about or psychology, but it's right here in 2 Corinthians, is the step of saying you get to share what you've got. If you've been helped, you can help somebody else. You've received comfort from God. He always makes more than enough so you can give some away to somebody else, whatever they're going through, because of what you've gone through, because of what he brought you through. Your greatest healing comes from your deepest hurts. Your greatest healing comes from your own wounds and weaknesses, not your strengths. Now you've got something to give away and when you do, you don't have less. You just made more room for more of whatever is needed. There's an old saying, I think some people seem to think it's in the Bible, but of course it's not because it's not true. The Lord helps those who help themselves. It's not true. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. The Lord helps those who help others. Did you know helping is actually a spiritual gift? Helping somebody. When the Apostle Paul was writing out lists of spiritual gifts, he put helps right in there with them. 
And when I was praying this year, I got this picture of a pair of hands, open hands. And I felt the Holy Spirit was helping me to get this. That as I, I want us to pray more with our hands open, to give and to receive and give what's needed and receive what's needed. And I was looking, I was praying, it's like, is it comfort? Is it compassion? Is it helps? None of these things were, were coming. Then out of the blue one morning, the Lord gave me the word that means all of that and so much more. This is a word we can spend all year looking at and we're never going to fully explore it. You're going to love it. When God first called Moses to go to Egypt for him at the burning bush, and he was another one who didn't want to go, remember? Moses said, when they ask me who you are, who sent me, who do, you, who do I say you are? He wanted them to know because names are very important in the Bible. Names reveal who somebody really is. That's why Christ had to be called Jesus, because that means God's come to save us. And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. That means God needs nothing and nobody. He's the unextinguishable fire that burns and burns that Moses was first drawn towards. And, and the whole of the rest of the Bible is God revealing more and more about who I am is until Jesus comes one day and says, I am the way. After bringing them out of Egypt, God called them and gave them 10 commandments and said, I am the Lord, worship no other gods but me. But even while he's writing these commandments down, the Israelites at the same time down the mountain were running wild, breaking all the other commandments and bowing down to an idol they'd made. So Moses comes and he smashes the stones on, with the commandments on to show they've literally broken the law. And then God says, if I came to you to be with you for just one moment like you are now, I'd have to destroy you because that's what would happen if God gave us the judgment we deserve as rebels, as idolaters, as lawbreakers. So how do we come to one so holy? Then in Exodus 34, God again calls Moses up the mountain for 40 days. It's often a very significant period of time in scripture. I'm going to increase my fasting and praying for the next 40 days or so. I encourage you to consider doing so as well because God could do something amazing at the end of that like he did then because what he did with Moses was he took the same the, the tablets and he wrote on them again. He gave them to him again exactly as they were before. God, he didn't give him a, 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 a fail, he gave him a clean slate. Not because he or the people deserved it, but because they needed it. All they deserved was punishment. Verse 5 says, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He forgives it all. This is God speaking, telling Moses more about who he is. Why is this verse so important? It actually goes on to become one of the most often repeated passages in the rest of the scripture. I'll tell you, because it tells us what God is like. This is what Jonah knew about God. It's the real reason that he ran away from where God was sending him. You see, the Jewish people knew, the rabbis list from this passage, 13 attributes of who God is. And it's also going to tell us what our year, about, year of is all about at Ivy. Because they call this passage the 13 attributes of mercy. And 2021 is Ivy's year of mercy. Isn't mercy just the most beautiful word? We're going to study this deeply, but we're never going to come to the end of this study. We're only going to scratch the surface of this life-changing, everything-changing word. I tried to define it. One definition I came up with is this. When you don't get what you deserve, but you're given what you need, that's mercy. 2021 is Ivy's year of mercy. Let's start 40 days of it today.
Start looking up the word. You're, you're going to notice mercy all over the Bible because God wants us to love mercy. And if we do, what a year this will be. See, we couldn't live a minute were it not for God's mercy. Since the first day we meet God, it's because of his mercy. And we're going to marvel at God's mercy forever. We're never going to stop learning about God's mercy. It's new every morning. The rabbis say there are very few ways listed to be angry in scripture, very fewer words, even fewer words of punishment. But God has 13 ways to be merciful just here. Jonah knew that. Jonah knew that God was sending him to people that he didn't think deserved mercy. And the message he was to bring 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. But then what if the Ninevites ask, well, who sent you? Who is this God? What does he tell them? What, well, he's got to tell them what God told Moses. Adonai, Adonai, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, El Rachum, the gracious, the long-suffering. See, our God is merciful, he's El Rachum. The words related to the womb, it means tender, maternal love. That's the very first thing the Lord wants us to think about whenever we come to him. And the rest just tells us the same thing, 12 more ways. He is mercy. He's got so many ways to be merciful. Remember, God said this right after the children of Israel had broken all of his law and only deserved wrath. And that's when God says, I am merciful. I'm going to give you a clean slate. I'm going to give you compassion. It's such a rich word. We're going to look at other words for mercy in the next few weeks. He's the God of compassion. He's the God of mercy who doesn't give us what we deserve, but what we need. And mercy is the first thing God wants us to know about him. It's what we call an attribute of God. It's part of who God is, it makes him up. It's what the Lord wants you to know and what he wants you to feel and what he wants you to think about whenever you think about God, any day, any time this year. Whatever happened in 2020, whatever went wrong, whatever we did wrong, whenever we went in the opposite direction, he is merciful. We're living in what the Bible would call a Kairos moment. A Kronos moment is when the date changes on the calendar, Happy New Year. A Kairos moment is when everything changes, or at least there's the potential to change, if we'll go with it and not hide or run away from it. Kronos is a new year, Kairos is a new era, and it needs a new you. And God says the only way that's going to happen is by his mercy. Isn't this a time when the world needs mercy? Humanity is so wounded and hurting. This is not a time for the church to join in with the judgment and division and hate that comes from trying to figure out life in such uncertain times, but to join in with the God of mercy in what he's doing and saying. It's not a time to wait for the broken and the hurting and the lost to come in through our doors. It's a time for the church to go out and look for them and gather them in. It's not a time to condemn, but to comfort. It's not a time to just lick our own wounds, but to go and heal theirs in, in their homes and schools and streets or prisons with God's medicine of mercy. It's a year of mercy because mercy is the core of the gospel message. It's a year of mercy because mercy is the name by which God revealed himself in the Old Testament and because mercy is the face that he showed us in the incarnation of Jesus Christ we just celebrated at Christmas. Mercy is what drew the Son of God towards us, to our brokenness, when he came and lived and died and rose again and gave sinners not what they deserve, but sons and daughters what we all need. There'd be no good news if God gave us what we deserve. I have no righteousness, righteousness of my own to qualify me to bring you any message. And you've got none of your own to refuse it. If we stand in our pride, if we deceive ourselves, if we say we've not sinned, God's righteous judgment will give us what we need. Or we can hear 
the word and humble ourselves today. Maybe spend 40 days. Maybe we're going to get another 40 days of isolation, of lockdown. And Jonah spent that time in the belly of the fish and, and God met with him even there. God will give us what we need to get us on track with where he wants us. That's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and give them 40 days with God. Not because it was a bad message, bad place, bad journey, but because he knew God is good, God is mercy. Jonah didn't even want to angrily shout the message at them, 40 days till God judges Nineveh. Eventually he did it, but he didn't want to because he knew what God might do during those 40 days. He didn't want to carry mercy there to them. He knew God is merciful. So he wanted mercy for himself, but not for them. He knew God didn't want to destroy them, but to give them another chance of forgiveness. So, who's your Ninevite? In Nineveh, there were people who Jonah didn't want to encounter mercy. If you email us, you can join a grow group and get started on an amazing couple of months studying Jonah's story. But I'll give you a spoiler if you don't already know. That when eventually Jonah does get there, God doesn't destroy them. God didn't kill them except with kindness. And Jonah's furious about it. He says, I knew it. I, I, didn't I say before I left home that you'd do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. That you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. When the call to go came, Jonah wanted to stay or go anywhere else because what if God didn't send lightning bolts but blessings to them? He knew that's what would happen and he was right. The Ninevehs heard this, his short hate-filled sermon, the worst sermon in history, and God used it to bring revival to the nation. They all put on sackcloth and ashes, even the king, even the animals. They dressed the livestock up in sackcloth too to show how sorry they were. They knew they deserved judgment, but God gave them what they needed mercy so looking back before we look forward who's the last person that you want to bless this year who's the last person that you think that God deserves God's mercy what if God blessed them what if God showed them mercy what if you being headed the right way this year directly links to whether you were merciful to the other person who doesn't deserve it either because when I realize who God really is I realize I'm the one who least deserves it but he sent Jesus to love and forgive and save and rescue me so again, who is it? God speaks to you about that person and you want to go the other way. God wants you and me to have a clean slate for this year by showing mercy to that person. It can start today at least by praying a blessing for them that God would show himself to them and draw them back to himself and, and closer to him this year. That would be so powerful if you could just bring that. And I'm talking about an individual maybe who hates you or hurt you or, or like Jonah, it could be a whole group of people whose choices or political affiliation, race, sexuality, anyone that their track record so far would make you want to go the opposite way if you saw them on the street. What if God wants you to turn around today? Does he have to send a storm or a fish? I hope not. At the start of this new year of mercy, if my hand is clenched, I can't take what I need or give it to that other person who needs it just the same. It's time to open up when we pray. Where's your Nineveh? Who's your Ninevite? Who hurt you? Could have been in 2020, could have been way back. I want us to start praying now. Ask the Lord to heal. Who said the words? Who broke the promise? Who told the lies? Whose face makes you want to turn and go the other way? Is there anyone? You know, you want God, I want God to agree with me and judge and condemn that person. But he wants to deal with me. So then he can move me forward into this new year. Lord, have mercy. That's a great prayer. When you say it out loud, Lord, have mercy. Short prayer. 
Jesus said there was a tax collector who prayed it one day. He said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God heard him. He says another guy was praying in just the same place and said, Lord, thank you. I'm not like other people. I'm a good person. And God didn't hear that prayer at all. So pray, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't deserve it, but I really need it. Now, who is it the Lord's been showing you that he wants you to have mercy on? To start over again in some way, to pray, Lord, have mercy this year on. Who is it? Maybe he'll send them to you. Maybe they'll end up coming to you. Maybe you'll never have to physically meet at all. That's not the point. But you can pray. If you see a face or a name or a memory of a hurt, say those three words. Say them out loud. Lord, have mercy. And you will be like your Father in heaven. Be merciful as he is merciful. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.